11, John chapter 11, and uh, we'll be there in a few minutes. And if you're wondering what this is all right here, uh, trust me, it'll make sense hopefully in a little bit. I'm going to move some things around here just to make it a little easier for me. <clears throat> yeah, now John's freaking out. My chair! <laughs> uh. <clears throat> Sorry, John. <laughs> in the book of John, in the entire book of John, Jesus makes seven I am statements. Uh, in chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. In chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, verse 7, he says, I am the door of the sheep. If you're wondering, that's talking about protection. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no, <laughs> totally lost it. Anyway, he is the only way to God. And then in John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. And it is a picture of us connecting to the true vine that gives us our source of power. And through that source, we can then produce fruit. Seven I am statements. But this morning, we're going to focus on just one of them. Uh, the one that is found in John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. But in order to fully comprehend of what Jesus is, I, what I believe Jesus is trying to communicate, <clears throat> we need to uh, go back to John chapter 11, verse 1. So let's, let's go ahead and read John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and his sister Martha. And it was that Mary, which anointed, uh, which anointed the Lord uh, with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, uh, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters went unto him, saying, Lord, behold, <clears throat> he whom thou lovest is sick. Dear Lord, we truly are thankful, grateful for your love, <clears throat> and Lord, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning and that you would give us a clear uh, opportunity to see ourselves in this message this morning. Help us to put away the busyness of life and the busyness of the week and the week to come. And Lord, give us the ability for the next few minutes to just focus on you. Help us, dear God, to walk close. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here we see clearly that Jesus' friend, Lazarus, is, dead, or, or is sick. And his two sisters, Mary and Martha, 
sent someone to communicate to Jesus that his friend Lazarus was sick. Now, we can assume by that that they were concerned to the point that they felt that if Jesus did not come and heal him physically, what do you think was going to happen? He's going to die. So whatever this sickness was, which we are not told, it was serious enough that his sisters felt as though Jesus needed to come and heal him. In verse 4, and Jesus heard that he uh, uh, heard that he said, "This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby." So, what can we take out of verse four? What what, what I get out of verse four is the fact that there is something that Jesus is going to try and teach some people. Can can we assume that? Okay, <clears throat> there's more at stake than Lazarus's life, if you would. Does that make sense? Now, now some of us, m- probably most of us, know the outcome of this story, but I, what I don't want you to do in your minds is jump ahead. Okay, I want you to follow the progression here. So Jesus is, is not in Bethany where Lazarus is, but his buddy or his friend, Lazarus, is sick. His two sisters send for him. And then Jesus tells his disciples, look, he's sick for one reason. What's that reason? To glorify the Son of God. Verse 14 and 15, And Jesus said unto them, Who who is the them there? His disciples. Jesus said unto them, his disciples, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, Jesus makes a startling, startling statement here. Well, before I before I go any further, let's back up to verses five and six, because this kind of puts everything in, in it kind of keeps everything in context. Now Jesus loved Martha uh, and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard there therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So. We find out that because Jesus purposely delays his journey to Bethany, two days, we find out in verses, what was it, 15 and 16? uh, Or 14 and 15, we find out that because Jesus purposely delays his, his, his departure, that Lazarus dies. And he says something incredibly startling in verse 15. At least it was to me. When I, I read this the other day, I had never noticed this, this term or this, this word. In verse 15, he says, I am glad. 
that Lazarus is dead. Think about this for a second. Jesus gets this communique, hey, your buddy Lazarus is going to die if you don't come. So what does Jesus do? He says, okay, and he stays two days until he knows Lazarus is dead. Then he tells his disciples, I'm glad he's dead. Now, does that seem a little cold? Now, if you don't know the outcome of the story, you, you could be sitting here thinking, wow, that, that's a little brutal. But let's go back to verse 4. Why was Lazarus sick? To glorify the Son of God. Then he says in verse 15, I'm glad for your sake. Why? Because the lesson that you're about to learn is far more valuable than anything else. Look at verse 21. Jesus <clears throat> makes his way uh, to Bethany. And then, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother <clears throat> had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you get the context now? She didn't get it. She says, I understand that at the resurrection, she had, she had learned enough from his teaching to know that at the resurrection, that the dead, the dead in Christ will rise. She says, I get that. And he says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into this world. Jesus then makes his way to the tomb. After this 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 interaction with Martha. Jesus makes his way to the tomb <clears throat> where they had laid Lazarus. Let's start reading in verse 33. <clears throat> when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said where where have ye laid him they said unto him lord come and see verse 35 if you ever want to memorize the bible start with this verse <laughs> it's an easy one jesus wept why did he why did he weep did he weep because his friend lazarus was dead 
No, he weeped because of their unbelief. Verse 36, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. They, they totally misunderstood. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them uh, said, uh, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused uh, uh, that even this man uh, should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaned in, in himself, coming to the grave. And it, it, it was a, a cave and a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him uh, that was uh, dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, and he uh, hath been dead four days. Okay, those of you that know medicine, when does a body start to decay? On the fourth day. Why did, what, okay, this is, a, this is a little theological lesson here. Why was it so important that Jesus had to raise before the third day, or on the third day, before the fourth day? Because there could be no corruption in Jesus Christ. Just, just a little side note there for you. <clears throat> Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that it uh, that if thou wouldst believe, thou should shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place which the dead was uh, was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee uh, that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hast uh, heardest me always. But because of this people which stand Stand by, I said it, and they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus uh, had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and he and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now I heard years ago, the first time I ever heard this passage being preached on, and it makes perfect sense to me, had Jesus stood there. Now where was Jesus? Okay, He was at Lazarus' tomb, but he was at a, what we would call a graveyard. Okay, Now what do you think would have happened if Jesus would have just said, come forth. Man, it would have been a circus. But very specifically, Jesus calls him by name and says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, in this passage, we see Jesus tell the people to do two things that he could have done himself. Now, I want you to get this because this is really, really important. Lazarus, or, or Jesus tells the people to do two things that he could have done himself. The first one is to take away the stone. The second one is to lose him and to let him go. Now, <clears throat> question. Do you think 
that Jesus could have just taken his finger and just, and the stone would have been thrown off to the side. Absolutely. He could have spoken and the stone could have just disappeared. I mean, I mean, the options are endless what Jesus could have done. And then when Lazarus does come forth, he could have just snapped his fingers and all the, 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 the grave clothes could have just fallen to the ground or vanished or whatever. Again, the, the, the options are endless what he could have done. But effortlessly, he could have done both of those things. So the question becomes, why didn't he? Was he not trying to show that he is the Son of God to these people? Was he not? How better to continue to prove who he was than to put on a show of sorts? But he doesn't do that. He gets the people involved. So the question becomes, why do the people need to do these two things? I believe the answer to that is because he wanted the people involved in the miracle. Now, please get this, because if you don't get this part, you might as well just fall asleep and sleep the rest of the service or get up and leave, because this is, this is it right here. God doesn't need you and me, but he wants to use you and me. God did not need those people to move that stone. He did not need them to unwrap this dead guy. But he wanted to use them. I see Grace Baptist Church in this story. I'm here to tell you this morning that Grace Baptist Church exists for two reasons. Number one, to move stones away so that dead people can get to Jesus Christ. That's our first purpose. That is the first purpose that Grace Baptist Church exists. The second one is so that we can <clears throat> help people take off the old dirty clothes of the world and Live in a renewed life with Jesus Christ. The first one is a picture of evangelism. Getting people to Jesus Christ. Removing the stones, removing stumbling blocks, removing whatever it is that's in the way that is keeping people from Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's our first and most important thing. The second one is a picture of discipleship. Helping people grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. We exist for two reasons. The title of my message this morning, and I, I, I have a big, I, I'm not going to be able to finish it. <clears throat> so we're going to do it in two parts. But the title of my message this morning is Moving Stones and Changing Lives. Moving Stones and changing lives. Missions Month should be the one month of the year that we as a church talk about evangelism and discipleship. 
This, this month above every month should be the month that this is the, 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 the primary thing that we talk about. I want to start off my first point this morning is moving stones. I want to give you five ways that we can move stones at Grace Baptist Church so that dead people can get to Jesus Christ. The first one I want to talk about is creativity. Creativity. In Luke chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, there was... Uh, there, there were Pharisees and doctors of law sitting by, which, he, which were come out of uh, every town of Galilee and uh, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord uh, was presented to heal them. And behold, men brought in beds, uh, uh, brought in a, a bed, uh, well, hold on. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. The thing I want to talk about here is the phrase, they sought means. They sought means. In other words, they got there, they were carrying this bed, and they couldn't get into the house. So what did they do? They sought means they 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 became creative. Now this is my bag. My wife says, "What is in the bag?" I said, "I'm not going to tell you." <clears throat> Can anybody tell me what this is? Okay, this is a hammer. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> that that is a hammer. Can can anybody tell me what this is? Okay, this is also a hammer. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Can anybody tell me what this is? Okay, this is also a hammer, right? <laughs> you better be careful, bud. What is this? Okay. Anybody know what this is? Okay. Anybody know what this is? Okay. What about this one? Another hammer. (laughs) And what about this one? Okay. Okay, now. Okay. And, and I have more hammers at home, okay? Okay? <laughs> okay, Candy's back here going, why? Just one is enough. Okay, that is a, per- and, that's, and that's, that, that's the point of this. Why do you need so many hammers? Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah, you do. Okay, now, can, can anybody tell me, um, here, specifically, what kind of hammer is this? Okay, this is not a roofing hammer. Okay, we got two roofers in here. Okay, this is this is a hammer specifically for doing drywall. 
Okay? <clears throat> the head, the head is is large and it's it's dimpled. <clears throat> this is for chopping on sheetrock, but this is a very specific tool used for doing sheetrock. Now, why do I need more than one hammer? Because I would not want to use this hammer to frame a house. Okay, it's not, well, I, I mean, technically, I guess you could do it, but when you're, when you're hammering a nail that's this long, <clears throat> what do you want? You want something that's got a little bit more power behind it. Because if you don't, you're going to go bang, 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 bang. Okay? So each hammer has a purpose. Now, <clears throat> okay, anybody know what specifically what this is called? A ball-peen hammer. What, what is a ball-peen hammer used for? Ball-peens, okay. Good, good try, good try. It's why? Well, it's it's you specifically. It's for it's you for use with metal. Okay, for for flat. Okay, you got a flat side here. Let me put this down. <clears throat> you got a flat side here. You got a rounded side here. What do you think the rounded side would be used for? Shaping, forming. Bang, bang, bang. Okay. So this is primary. So <clears throat> you would not want to use a hammer like this on a piece of metal. Okay, because it's soft. This side is rubber and this side's plastic. What would you use this for? Okay, installing floor. You could you could definitely use it for installing floors. Uh, I I personally uh, got this one for Christmas last year. Uh, I use it in my workshop uh, for for chisels for for uh, croquet. Who said that? Shame on you. Shame. Man. That that hurt. That hurt. Okay, so do do you get the point? Okay. You use you you have different hammers for different uses. One of the things that and this is probably my most used hammer. Why would I use this hammer? Pulling nails, it's, it's got that nice rounded thing for pulling nails. But I use this one whenever I do uh, trim work or, or something because it's, it, it's, it's a little bit smaller and it's not so heavy. Uh, and it's, it's primarily what is considered a, 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 a finished carpenter's hammer. Okay. <clears throat> now, my point is this. As a, as a construction guy, if you would, you have a variety of tools at your disposal. You don't always use the same hammer. Now, let's apply this to the church. We as a church need to get creative because we have a lost world to reach. Do we not? I'm still upset about that croquet thing. That, that just that just hurt. Wow. And there you go. That was very creative. See, 
what would happen if Grace Baptist Church only relied on one source of evangelism? We wouldn't reach our community. We need to be creative. And, and I sat down and I, and I thought about it. And, and let, let, me, let me give you some ways that we as a church try and reach our community. The, 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 probably the most visible way is our website. We have a, we have a, a website that, that we have spent a lot of money on trying to reach our community. Another way that we do it is we go door to door once a month. We go we go door to door in our in our. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk about it later at the announcement time. We call it uh, uh, Soul Winning Saturday. We take one Saturday a month, and we take two hours, and we just go out and knock on doors, and invite people to church. Another way that we do it is. <clears throat> Uh, 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 once or twice a year, depending on, on funds that are available, uh, we do mailings and we try to get, get a, uh, something in the mail to every home in town, trying to get them to understand that we're here and that we're here for them. What is the, and this, any, any pastor will be able to tell you this, what is the number one way that people walk through the doors of a church? Word of mouth is the most important, most effective way. Uh, another way that we try and reach our community is uh, through Vacation Bible School. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible tool that we, that we have at our disposal. But you know what? It costs us money to put on every year. And it costs us a week of our, of our lives to put it on every year. A very long week. <laughs> But it's worth every minute. We have a community work day here in town that we participate in every year. And, and there are things that I would love to do, but we don't have the, the resources or the money to be able to do them. One of those is, and we can't do this because we don't, uh, we're not in our own facility yet, and we will one day, but I would love to put on a fall festival every every fall for young people in our community. I mean, here we, we can't do it. Logistically, we can't do it. But I would love to. I would love to put on a first responders dinner or lunch sometime for our first responders. Just let them know we care about them. You know, there are things that we can do as a church that we need to be creative. We, we need to stop depending on one hammer, if you would. And, and we need to get creative and, and, and we need to start reaching out. And, and, and the reality is you met, some of you probably right now are thinking of ideas that we can do. And that's great. And we should do them. It never fails. Every year at Christmas... Just before Christmas, what happens here on Main Street? We have a parade. And you know what happens after every Christmas parade? Huh? Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, someone comes to me and says, Pastor, we need to get a float in the parade. And you know what I say? Do it. I can't do it all. 
I, I, I would kill myself if I tried to do it all. I can't do it. You want to pray? You want to you float in the parade? Do it. I'll get behind you and help you as much as I can, but I can't do it. What about you? What do you do in your neighborhood to reach the lost? What happens when one of your neighbors is going through a difficult time? Do you, do you take a meal over? Say, hey, you know what? We'll buy you pizza. Or, you know what? Let, let me watch your kids for you. You know what? I have cut the grass of my neighbors. I have shoveled snow. I have done all of these things. Uh, one of my neighbors is getting older and he's got some heart issues. And every time it snows, I go over and, and shovel his, his, his stuff. Why? Be, I'm not doing it so he can say, hey, thanks, Rick. No, I'm show, doing it to show him the love of Christ. I used to cut his grass, but now he's got rocks. So I don't have to do that anymore. Well, what, what do you do when a, a new neighbor moves in? Do you, do you just stand in the driveway and wave at him? Or do you, do you go in and make him some cookies and, and, and take him over and say, hey, welcome to the neighborhood? Amen. You know, we, we live in a society now that it's, it's not cool to put yourself out there. We have a lost world to reach and we need to get creative. Nothing, nothing moves the stone away more than love and kindness. And we have a responsibility as a church and as individuals to move the stone away so that dead people can get to Jesus Christ. Number two, commitment. Luke chapter 15, verse 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. They went up uh, upon the housetop and let him down through the tile uh, with his couch uh, into the midst before Jesus. Question. Before you answer, the, don't e- in fact, don't even answer it verbally. Okay? Answer it in your head. Think about it. Who owns your house? Do you own it or does God own it? Okay, the answer to that question will be answered by the way you would respond to this story happening to you. Most of us in this room would respond by looking up saying, what do you think you're doing? You just ripped my roof apart, you idiot. Is that not how most of us would respond? We don't see that response in this story, though. If that would be your response, then your house belongs to you. But if your house belongs to God, your response would be, hey, Whatever it takes to get somebody to Jesus Christ, I'm okay with it. Question. When is the last time you have invited an unsaved neighbor or friend into your home for a meal? 
You say, but pastor, they, they don't talk right. They don't dress right. They don't smell right. Why would I invite somebody who's unsaved into my home? Jesus would. Who, who owns your house? When's the last time you went to John and Ashley or, or John or Ashley and said, hey, or even me and said, hey, you know what? Uh, we would love for the teenagers to come to my house uh, for an activity, whatever. You know, some of you are sitting there thinking, why would I want those smelly urchins in my house? <laughs> Who does your house belong to? And you guys really do smell, by the way. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I stay in trouble. Seriously. Seriously, who does your house belong to? What is your... <clears throat> in Luke chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, And when, they, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now I want to, I want to, I want you to pick out something here. It's really, really important. What moved Jesus's compassion to the man on the cot? It was not. It was not his plight. It was the faith of his friends, who were. Willing to be creative. And, and this, is, this is my feel. I, I don't know. This is just the way I read it. I believe it includes the homeowner too. Because the homeowner didn't jump up and down and scream and holler and, what are you doing to my house? The attitude was, hey, whatever it takes to get him to Jesus Christ, that's okay. We live in a world that people need Jesus Christ. Number one, we need to be creative. Number two, we need to have commitment. Number number three, we need character. Matthew chapter five, verses fifteen to uh, excuse me, thirteen to sixteen. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherein shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but is cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A light that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that ye may see your good works. Excuse me, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I have a picture for you here. Chris, if you would, please. This is a dear friend of mine, uh, dear friends, excuse me, plural, Jim and Carol Stackhouse, and this is a picture of them in Papua New Guinea uh, with a couple of people that go to their church. A husband, or this is a man and his daughter. Uh, I met the man, uh, wow, 30 some years ago, I guess, maybe. Nine, when? 1992, I was in New Guinea. I was actually building them a house in, in New Guinea. Jim and Carol Stackhouse started in the country of Papua New Guinea. 
started three churches that I know of. And there, there probably were more, but three that I know of. He was the dean or the president of a Bible college in the country of Papua New Guinea that literally trained hundreds, possibly close to thousands of nationals to spread the gospel around the country. In the summertime, they would run a huge summer camp that literally every year would reach thousands of young people from all over the country. They were instrumental in a Bible distribution campaign that was able to get a Bible into the hand of every elementary and high school child in the country. The, the, the minister of education came to Jim and a couple of the other missionaries begging him and them to get Bibles from the United States in the language, it's called pidgin, the pidgin language, and get it into the hands of every child because the, the, the minister of education understood and saw what Christianity would do in the lives of young people. To look at them, they look like just two normal people. That's what they are. <clears throat> Excuse me. But their character has helped shape a nation. Their character to stick with it to do the hard thing. And I'm going to say something here, and I'm going to probably get some criticism for it. And I'm, what I'm about to say is not aimed at anybody. I wrote, this, I wrote this weeks ago. Well, at least a week ago. We often feel like we've accomplished something if we come to church once a week. Shame on us. We feel like we've accomplished something if we spend 15 or 20 minutes a day praying and reading our Bibles. That's not character. That's character. Well, I'm pointing at the TV back there. That's character. People who have committed their lives and because of their commitment, because of their character, they have helped shape a nation. Hundreds, hundreds of people, the stones have been rolled away. Hundreds of people have come to know Jesus Christ because of these two. The fifth stone is a short one. <clears throat> I need to be I need to be quicker. Confession. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to every to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
Are you ashamed of the gospel? In a few weeks, we're going to have Soul Winning Saturday. Are you ashamed? I've had, I've had people tell me, but Pastor, it's embarrassing to knock on people's doors. They need the stone rolled away. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Paul says, I'm not ashamed. We need to move stones. There's a lot of stones that need to be moved. And then number five, probably the most important, compassion. I think really the first four uh, can all be combined into the last one. Jude chapter 1, verse 22. And some having compassion, making a difference. Are you making a difference in the lives of the people around you? A couple weeks ago, maybe, maybe a month ago, I was watching a college football game and, <clears throat> boy, you talk about passion. You watch a college football game. And <clears throat> I remember it was, I, I, I very seldom can watch an entire game. I usually get little snippets. And anyway, I turned on the TV, and there's like, there's like five minutes left in this game, and the, the home team had the ball, and they're driving down the field, and and the, I, I think, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think the, the, the quarterback threw an interception or, or something like that. And, and, and it just, it, it, you could hear the air go out of the whole, uh, the whole uh, stadium. You know, just poof. If y'all if you, if watched football, you know what I'm talking about. Just totally deflated, boom. Because it was their last chance to, they, I think they were down by two scores, and they, so you know, the, there, there's like five, less than five minutes left in the game, and they've got two, they got to score twice, and they're driving, and and, and and then boom, it's like the death nail. And I remember the 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 camera scanning the 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 the, the um, not audience, the um, the crowd, scanning the crowd. And, and all of the home team people were, were you could just tell, you know. But this, they, 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 they scanned and then they stopped on this young man. I would say he was probably somewhere between 18 and 25. At least that's how he looked. I, I, don't, I couldn't tell exactly because he was, sit, he was one of the few that was sitting and his, his face was in his hands, and he was weeping uncontrollably. And my first thought was, how sad. How sad. Because I, I'm looking at this young man, and he, he is absolutely losing it over a stupid game. Now, I've been criticized for calling sports stupid, but in that context, it is a stupid game. Because what's going to happen with this young man when he's 
35, 40 years old, and he's got a family and life falls apart. Compassion. His compassion was in the wrong place. Where is your compassion? See, the problem is with most of us, and, and I'm guilty of this, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, we oftentimes get more upset over our favorite sports team losing than when we hear of a death of someone. I'll tell you what, the other morning, and I'm just saying this, this is not a political shot, anything. There's no... How many of y'all ever heard of Elijah Cummings? Okay. Politically, I, I would probably disagree with him. I don't know. I've never talked to the man. But politically, I would probably disagree. Did you know, how many of you know that he died last week? How many of you cried? I did. I did. Because he's probably in hell this morning. It broke my my first thought was, oh God, I hope he was saved. And I sat at the breakfast table and I just, I didn't weep physically, but my heart just weeped for him and his family. Where is your compassion? We have stones that we need to move away so that dead people can come to Jesus Christ. And I'm only halfway through my message. We'll finish it next week. But let me, let me, let me end with this. At the beginning, I said that Grace Baptist Church exists for two reasons. One is to move stones away so that dead people can get to Jesus Christ. Number two, so we can see or help people get off their old life so that they can walk in a re renewed life with Jesus Christ. Evangelism and discipleship. Number one, how are we doing? Personally, I think we're doing okay, but we could do more. We could always do more. We could always find a new hammer to use. But I want to challenge you with this. How are you doing? How are you doing? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you.